Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 93 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yash Bika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll be breaking down the first week or the first games of the Champions League and Europa League groups, looking back at the crazy Merseyside derby and looking at Marcus Rashford's um, amazing philanthropic work he's been doing to feed... um, hungry children in in the uk i think um a lot of people have seen the news for it but we definitely wanted to um talk about it because it's just fantastic work he's doing on his end for uh for everything he's doing for those children and then quickly previewing um some of the games that are happening this weekend we're recording on friday a bit of a later episode that's because i've been actually feeling a bit under the weather earlier this week i am feeling a lot better now i had a bit of a sore throat that's kind of gone away now it's just like a little bit of some weird grogginess. I don't have Corona, I don't think. I think it was more of a common cold, but uh, I'm definitely feeling a little bit better. But it's definitely been a longish week for me. And I know, Tyler, uh, before we get jumped in, I know you've had a kind of a longish week as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for work. But, you know, it is part of that time of the year where it's a little busy right before the holidays. And mm-hmm. then also some people getting sick because of changing of the season. So hopefully yes. everyone's kind of getting through the work and also hopefully staying healthy as well. Oh yeah, of course, of course. But to get things started, we are going to quickly talk about the Merseyside Derby, Derby, but specifically it was the challenges that the Everton players made on the Liverpool players. The murders. Specifically, yeah, <laughs> murders. And one specifically that got a lot of attention was Jordan Pickford's offside challenge on Virgil van Dijk, which essentially... It's very sad, but event essentially ended Virgil van Dijk's season. And in a lot of ways, a lot of people are saying Liverpool's um, camp, you know, I guess campaign to win back the title, to be um, back-to-back champions. And it was unfortunate. I think from, I'll quickly say this, I think it's crazy that Pickford wasn't given a red card because he straight up li- literally took out Virgil van Dijk's knees and he just basically got away with the free challenge. And I think it's baffling that VAR did not look at that. Even if the even if Van Dyke was offside, it's crazy that Pickford wasn't even there was not even a VAR review on Pickford's challenge to even consider a red. So I'll just leave it like that. That's it's insane because and not in a good way insane, but Pickford yeah. basically killed Van Dyke. A lot of people on Twitter are like, man, rip Van Dyke, and then <laughs> a lot of <laughs> This is like, for example, like the latest victory Liverpool got against Ajax in the Champions League. People were like, that was for you, Van Dyke. And a lot of people were joking. It's like, man, everyone that's Liverpool fans thinking Van Dyke died. But it's, it's kind of true. He kind of did die this season, at least, because he's just gone. Mm. And so, in my opinion, so are our hopes of getting the Premier League title again this season because he's literally a cornerstone of the defense. Without him, it's like a whole different defense. And also about Ali's son, too. It's literally get back to like early Klopp era of defense because it's like we're just we're just kind of struggling there without Van Dyke being the leader and telling everyone where to go what to do it's going to be the struggle and for Pickford to get this challenge on him it's kind of shows how kind of broken the rules are or at least how variable VAR is because basically Van Dyke the challenge on him as Jess was saying like nothing was reviewed for it because it was off sides like it was basically like a free challenge for Pickford since yeah. it was like oh it wasn't within the gameplay it was like after a foul was already or basically after the foul of the offside was already called so that's why they didn't review it but 
Pickford basically did a challenge from like the knee up. Like he jumped into his knee. Yeah. Like crotch first. I was like, I never seen someone do that. <laughs> I was like, how is that legal? Like if you did that on the streets to someone, you'd be like, <laughs> you'd be, be charged fight. with battery. It's like, what the heck was that? And um, Richarlison in the same game oh nearly gosh. broke Tiago's legs. I know. Oh, that 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 challenge looked vicious as well. I mean, it was just as vicious, I would say. Like he like went charging in, almost broke his leg. Mm-hmm. Like, like it was one of those classic videos you saw from some crazy defender. Except this was like real life, where like Sunday League. Yeah, Sunday League, where someone literally went airborne and then <laughs> like foot first into their shin. But luckily, ah. um, Tiago wasn't his foot wasn't completely planted, so he was still able to move it. But mm. geez, that was like a leg breaker right there. Uh, so Everton with two of these very harsh and rash challenges and only one got a straight red. The other one, Pickford, like he just got away with it. And I mean, people are saying it's like, you know, there's this one challenge when Mane basically cleated Ederson in the face and like there wasn't really as much retribution for that either. Well, he got sent off, right? Yeah, he did get sent off. And I was just like, I mean, it's not a competition to see who did worse. It's just like yeah. if there needs to be consistency for when this stuff does happen. Yeah, because so, you got to protect the players. Yes. And for Pickford to be doing this and getting away with it, I feel like that's a, a failure in the refereeing consistency department. And also, yeah. on top of that, not only were the challenges wonky, I want to, to interrupt you, Yush, but yeah. I'm about to go off on the offsides because that made me just as upset oh, too. Oh, Hendo's goal. Yeah. Hendo's goal. The game winner was called offsides because... Basically, they deemed, I believe, like the elbow or like the armpit, the playable area for uh, Sadio Mane, who was the guy playing on uh, Henderson, I believe. So I'm just like, what is happening? So like in the in an earlier play in the same game, they deemed the shoulder as like a playable area for like where the offside line kind of stops and ends. But then like. In the second play, when Henderson scored the goal, they deemed the elbow the offside. So, like, they changed where the playable area was on someone's body. <laughs> I'm like, what is that even? Like, why? It's like, you got to keep it consistent. If it's going to be armpit this game, then it's got to stay armpit as the offside line for every single play. You can't change it from armpit to elbow and from mm-hmm. one play to another. Because then it looks like you're just kind of drawing lines around where you want the offsides to be. And yeah. that basically determined... The, the, the final score of the game. Yeah. Like this lack of consistency was just some cheese. And as a Liverpool fan, it might seem a little biased, but I'm just saying there's no, there was very little showing of consistency in both sides of this game for refereeing in both the challenges and also the offside calls. And I'm like, what the heck, man? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was definitely, it was definitely very weird. I think I have more of a problem with Pickford's challenge because I just never like the rule that they have imposed this year where it's um, if a player is deemed offsides, you know, where basically if a player runs through on goal and they the referee is 50-50 on whether offsides or not, they're supposed to keep the flag down and essentially, you know, VAR can look back and see if he was actually offsides. I didn't like that because there's been too many times where it's fairly obvious that the player is offsides, but they continue to play on. And when you do that, that leads to challenges or that could lead to potential horrifying injuries. Um, and not to say Van Dyke was clearly offsides, um, but with, with Pickford's thing, I think if you're allowing these attackers to get the benefit of the doubt, 
then that means they should be able to check whatever happens. Because otherwise, what they're saying is that let's say it's um, the first half is almost done. All right, the ref blows a whistle. Somebody on the opposing team just comes in and slide tackles someone. And it's like, oh, well, the game ended. How can you give me a red card now, you know? So that that's my primary reason I got really upset with the Pickford Challenge because I just thought it was just super unfair. And I think, you know, Everton really got away with one, such as like Tottenham got away with what Lamella did against United. I think, you know, Everton got really lucky that Pickford was not sent off or anything went their way. And I think it's just, um, you know, I'm a Manchester United fan. I'm not the Liverpool supporter, but it's Van Dyke is one of the best players in the Premier League. So it's just uh, unfortunate that we won't be seeing him play for pretty much the rest of the season. It's, it's, it's always... It's one of those things that hurts when you can't see one of the star players of the Premier League suit up and play every weekend. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like losing out on seeing Ozil play or yeah. Pogba play. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just kind of like, like those Kevin things. De Bruyne two yeah, years Kevin ago. Yeah, Kevin De Bruyne. Like you, you don't want to see this. Like, yeah. like you want it's, everyone to like be able to play. It's, yeah. It's like, it, man. Uh, yeah. I will say for this, you know... Uh, like soccer is its own sport. It has its own rules. But, you know, I heard like in other sports, like say baseball, if the call is very close, usually they give the call the benefit of the doubt. And like, like you know, with offsides, like if it's really close, they're not going to go with like a measuring tape and kind of like figure that things out. But I feel like with soccer, at least they should kind of look to what other sports have done already. And maybe that can give them, mm-hmm. you know, some some insight on what they should do rather than trying to learn from their mistakes now because like there's been sports that have had these kind of implementations of video refereeing and reviewing that's been going on for like years now it's like they've yeah. had the experience just use their experience and just put it into the Premier League like you don't have to be figuring Doing it out everything. from just yeah. experience yeah. when it's like it's already kind of in the record books and then the, yeah, the groundwork books. has already been laid you don't yeah, have to it, dig yeah. up the hole ourselves you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel yeah exactly <laughs> like, come on now so i mean it was it was definitely one of the craziest merseyside derbies um it, it was just watching that live it was just i was just shocked some of the stuff i was seeing from both sides officiating wise and everything but you know everton managed to get a point liverpool get, got a point but we'll see how both of these teams really end up at the uh you know now after the, after the merseyside derby where these teams really go from here um mm-hmm. but quickly transitioning over to the champions league and reopa league we under we know we did not get a preview out <laughs> um this past week for the champions league and reopa europa league that is um partially a fault on uh, on us we just got so caught up with work and other things that um it was funny. We actually just didn't notice that the Champions League was on until like yesterday or until, what was it, Tuesday? Like the day of. I yeah, was like, wait a minute. Of. It's here? Um, like the hype, I felt like, wasn't built up this year. Yeah. It was just like everyone just kind that, of was like, oh. oh yeah, yeah. It, it definitely <laughs> wasn't. I think that has to do with such like the shortened schedule where everything is just so crammed together. There hasn't been a lot of space and a lot of time to really like get hyped and get previews going for all this mm-hmm. stuff because everything just keeps coming in. You know, it's just like when you blink, it's like, oh, we're on another competition. We're on another competition. We're on another competition. So it's uh, it was definitely pretty wild. But uh, we're, we're going to quickly just look at the Premier League teams that are in both of these competitions. To start things off, we're in Group C. It's City, Porto, Olympiacos, and Marseille. City obviously got a, a win against Porto. They're on top with three points. Biggest question um, for City is can they actually win it this year? 
And I'm just going to quickly say no. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't think they're going to win it. I think the other the top European sides are just a little bit. I, you know, it's tough because with everything that go, that's going on. But I still think Bayern are probably like the clear cut favorites, and they're just so good that I, I don't know. I just don't see City crossing that barrier again. I I agree with you, Yash. Like I I feel like this season, this Man City team is weaker than previous seasons. Yeah, in just a lot terms weaker. of depth. Yeah, and also the defense. I'm like, what is this defense? This yeah. is even worse than Liverpool's without Van Dyke. And <laughs> like 500 like, mil spent spent on exactly. It. So I don't think Man City is going to really get any much farther than in previous seasons either. Like I think mm-hmm. they're going to get knocked out, like round of eight around there. I think that's yeah, probably like their finals. Peak. Mm-hmm. And also, random note: shout out to Ben, the Marseille fan. You get to see yeah. Marseille face Man City. <laughs> so that's going to be a very interesting match. But like, I even will think like because of their defense, even teams like Marseille might even have a chance against them. And if you want to win the Champions League, you can't have teams even like Marseille having a chance. Like it needs to be like, oh, you're going to clearly win, kind of like Bayern, mm-hmm. where it's like as you're like it's going to be a clear cut win. Yeah, so they I don't think Messi is going to. This they is not their just season. of Atletico. Crazy. Yeah, Atletico Madrid, 4-0. I'm like, yeah. what That's the? a hard team to just like blow out like that. Yeah, Liverpool lost to them. I <laughs> know. <laughs> so, um, there's no easy feat. And yeah. for Bayern and to do Bayern that. Bayern really made it look easy. Made it yeah, look- that's an early statement right there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the, it, it, you know, you mentioned the defense. In that Porto game, Porto literally went up 1-0. And it took City putting on some super subs late on to, you know, finally get started and win. Um, I believe it was two one, but mm-hmm. yeah, City their their chances of actually claiming like Champions League glory doesn't look too hot right now. Um, but quickly moving to Group D, which is Liverpool's group, we have Atalanta, Liverpool, Ajax, and FC Midtjylland. Who, if you don't know, was the team that faced Manchester United in the Europa League back in 2015-16 under Louis Van Hall, where they actually won in the first leg and they played Coldplay each time their team scored. Um, but they ended up losing that, uh, I think it was like round of 32 to Manchester United anyways, but um, kind of like a folklore there. Um, I don't know, but it's kind of cool to see them in the Champions League. But the bigger question for Liverpool is they did win. They're tied for first with three points, but how far can they actually go in the Champions League without Virgil van Dijk and Ali Sun? Can they put together a run that they kind of did in what was it 2017 2018 i know they had van dyke in january but can they put together some sort of magical run like that or is this something tyler that they unfortunately get knocked out in the round of 16 i think they're like man city i think they could make it to eight but i'm not sure how much farther they can go beyond eight mm-hmm. even in the group stage it's not an easy group to get out of in my opinion because yeah ajax the defense are- is yeah ajax they got Lucky, I'm not gonna lie that we even got a goal because it was an own goal. <laughs> I don't know why I kept saying Mane scored. I'm like, bro, Tagliafico literally kicked it in. <laughs> I know Mane literally shot it like that thing was going way wide, way wide. And I'm like, uh, well, th- luckily we have an inside guy, <laughs> and a Liverpool fan playing left back for Ajax. But that was a big three points. I think that was one of those key deciding factors in whether Liverpool gets second or third in this group. Atalanta. I feel like they have enough firepower to really get out of the group. So I think Liverpool, it's going to be a lot about them getting lucky this season in the Champions League because, you know, 
unless someone steps up like Joe Gomez and just all of a sudden becomes a man, it's going to be really hard for them to, you know, do well in both the Premier League and Champions League. I, mm-hmm. I really don't think they can do well in both this season given the injuries now. Yeah, but, I, I, I yeah. will say, I think um, if there was a time, I think this is a, a perfect time for Roberto Firmino to step up and score some goals because yes. <laughs> with, with the team lacking its defensive leader, they're probably going to concede, you know, not a ton of goals, but more than they did last year and such. And I think the whole talk on Firmino was, you know, you're a big fan of Firmino. I know how big mm-hmm. of a fan you are in terms of he does more away from he does more than just score goals for Liverpool like he presses high he starts everything for Liverpool but I mean his goal scoring record especially at Anfield has not been the best he doesn't score that many um so I I don't know I think this is really a time for him to just really step up and take some of the mantle off Mane and Salah if there was a time no I do agree because recently I'm like man you haven't seen a Firmino go in a while yeah so I mean he he Occasionally gets those bangers, and we haven't seen them for a while. So I know I, that that's what I'm saying. I, I remember watching Firmino all these years in the Premier League, and like he always tends to score like those upper ninety finesse shots or something crazy, like some like crazy that. volley or jukes out a few people mm-hmm. and then slots one in. It's like we need one of those because then it also keeps the defense guessing on who's going to be yeah. taking shots. And if they know Firmino's not going to take a shot, it's like well they're just going to sag on him, kind of like in NBA. Yeah. You know, Jimmy <laughs> Butler's not going to shoot a three, so you just leave him. Yeah, and then, he's, and then he still never takes a shot. So, Firmino, mm-hmm. I think he just needs to get that back in his locker, and then that might help that Liverpool team be a lot more potent. Because yeah, we're gonna have to do the old-fashioned, just score a ton of goals and hopefully win out that way this season. I feel like because this defense, gosh dang, <laughs> I know. I think Adrian had like another one of those almost howler moments, right? Mm-hmm. Against Ajax, like he kicked a it. Lot in a lot of people hit. are not. Adrian fans that are yeah. Liverpool fans it's just I, I will say I don't know how long Alisson is going to be out injured but do you think they go out and buy some backup goalkeeper in January that's better than Adrian at least no I think really because um, we, we already have Karius on loan oh okay and it's like uh, we have too many keepers at that point so Dang. I I don't know unless Adrian leaves <laughs> like there's no way so I think we're going to have to just struggle with him until that- then I mean, I'm just fascinated by how much he struggled. I, I, I always thought he was a decent keeper, but it's crazy. I thought so much. too. And then, I guess it's like when you get up to the big club, it's a whole other expectation, you know? I guess you know? so. But I, I will ask for Firmino, do you think it's something in his head? Do you think he's uh, you, do you think there's actually something in his head where it's like, dang, I haven't, like he knows he hasn't scored for a while, so now that's ruined his confidence? Or do you think mm. he's just not being aggressive enough? I feel like being under Klopp, he definitely knows the style and the tactics that need to be done. So maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit of him being a little bit too nice and just passing it. Because like I see that a few times where it's like he could have taken the shot, but he just gives it to someone else. So yeah. I guess losing that, not confidence, but like that mentality to just take the shot if you have it open. Like he's kind of lost that kind of striker's instinct. And because he's just been playing this weird pseudo striker role this whole time. And I think it is also partially like Klopp's instructions where it's like, all right, you're, you're going to do this and like you have to do this. Yeah. And he's like, all right, he's just following it to a T. And sometimes mm-hmm. it might not lead him to get that many goal scoring opportunities. So I think it's just a little bit of both basically. But yeah, as we've been saying, 
Firmino hopefully gets back on the score sheet soon because it's been a while, man. It's been yeah. a while. <laughs> even as a United fan, I don't even follow Liverpool that closely. It's, yeah, it's been a while since he scored. Um, but moving on to Group E, which is Chelsea's group. They have Chelsea, Sevilla, Rennes, and Krasn- Krasnodar. 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 The Russian um, team. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea right now, everybody in that group has one point. But this is a group. I know there's some tough teams in there, but Chelsea has to win this group. I think I, with the amount of money they, we keep saying this, with the amount of money they spent this summer transfer window, I can't really give a lot of excuses to Chelsea. I know they have to have some time to gel with each other, all the players, but when you got, when if you're Lampard and you got cherry picked all the transfers you want, I mean, there's no excuses really. You You have to win this group. You have to. It's kind of like when you have all the pieces ready to go. It's like, this is the go time. Like you mm-hmm. have to win now. It's like, you can't wait another season. It's like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you know, certain players on that team, like Thiago Silva, like he's not going to have that many yeah. years left. And it's like, they're not going to have that many players left in their prime either. Like Conte. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, I mean, Kepa is always going to be a liability, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like, you know, Timo Werner as well. It's like, he's just getting there. So, I think, you know, there's a lot of youth on this team, but also like a lot of experience and I think enough to like make a big statement. And also, as just been saying, a lot of money in this. So like they got to win. They got to do something big, go far in this Champions League. I'm not sure they can win it. I don't think. Yeah, I, I feel actually, like I don't most, I don't even yeah. know if they can get as far as City or, or Liverpool just because their defense is really bad. I agree. I feel like that's the theme of the Premier League teams in the Champions League this yes. season. It's like the attack's pretty good. Defense, mm, yeah, that's going to be the de- deciding factor. But I, I also agree with you, Yash. I think the other two teams we already mentioned, City and Liverpool, have a better chance than Chelsea. But I think it'll really come down to who they draw as well in the knockout stages. Because mm-hmm. if Chelsea, I feel like they could top this this group they're in. Sevilla is really good, but Sevilla loves to go to the Europa League. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like that's tank. their competition. They might just and- tank just for Europa League and maybe send like Rens or Krasnodar in a second. But, you know, for Chelsea, if they can snag first, they might get an easy or an easier comp- like matchup for round 16 and then get to round eight a little quicker or a mm-hmm. little easier. So I think that's what Chelsea is going to be aiming for. I think Frank Lampard, he knows he has to get results because... You know, Abramovich, he is very cutthroat. I'm not sure if he's going to have the same, hmm, what's it called? Lack of leniency (laughs) against Lampard because Lampard has a whole different culture now at Chelsea. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I want want Lampard to stay because I like this kind of new Chelsea that's been here. But we're going to see like how Chelsea do this Champions League run because that's going to be a really big factor. And then what happens to Lampard because, you know, it's easier for Lampard to fail, I feel like, in the Champions League than it is for him to find success. Given, even given like how much money he spent, but mm-hmm. like since he spent so much, like he has to go get results. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think um, Timo Werner, obviously, he's got to be the big play- he's got to be the big guy that carries them in the Champions League. I feel like with his goal mm-hmm. scoring um, prominence, he's got to score goals for him to stay in. But um, moving on to gr- Group H, we have. Basically, a group of death has been dubbed by a lot of people. We have Manchester United, RB Leipzig, PSG, and Istanbul. Uh, don't have the full name there, but it's a little bit hard to pronounce. But Like Istanbul, uh, Bashakshir or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah something not like that. Not Bashiktas. <laughs> no, not Bashiktas, but 
this, or Galatasaray, whatever one's also in Istanbul. Yeah, not not that one either. But this group is crazy because in the first game, Manchester United traveled to the Parc de France and played PSG and won uh, a two one victory. Um, so United are currently tied with RB Leipzig um, on top of the leaderboard for Group H with three points, and this was a huge victory for Manchester United um, because it gives them a plenty of confidence. Um, especially when you're in a group of death to get the first victory and traveling away from home and getting it against a team such as PSG that were the finalists last year. It's an excellent result for Oli. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I still think this group is such a toss-up because these are some really hard teams, especially the top three, because they're, they're really, really good, especially Leipzig and PSG. So I'm very curious to see how this group ends because I, I honestly feel like it's still a toss-up. I'm still going to go for United to advance just because I'm a Manchester United fan, but I I wouldn't blame anyone if they said it was a toss-up between all three. But in terms of their prospects of how far they can advance, if they can get out of this group, I feel like getting out of this group gives you enough confidence to face anyone, really. Um, But I, I still think that maybe round of 16 quarterfinals is probably the peak. And if they do anything more than that, that's awesome. I, I think the attack is great. It, on their day, if they're firing, it's as good of an attack as anything we can see, especially with Pogba, Fernandez, Rashford, Martial, creating chances. And then you throw in Cavani every now and again to score some goals. Uh, the defense is the big issue, but we've seen in bigger games, Solskjaer kind of goes for a back five in a sense, where he plays three center backs and two wing backs, and then um, basically goes around playing it that way. So that way he provides more cover for their defense and allows them to break faster on the counterattack. So that formation has been working well for him in the bigger games. But yeah, I, I think I want to remain optimistic, but I, I probably think if they get out of the group, maybe quarterfinals, just like every other Premier League team would probably be the best, um, best result I can realistically see. Anything more than that is awesome. <laughs> I have a question for you, Yush, as yeah. a Man U fan. Do you feel like y'all will do better in the Premier League this season in terms of success, like maybe getting top four or you know as high as you can, or going as far as you can in the Champions League? Like, which competition do you think Manchester United will do better in this season, and what do you think is the goal? Man, I, I still think. All right, to answer the question plainly first, I, I think Champions League is probably, or we'll probably advance further in the Champions League than we do place better in the Premier League because we still have yet to see full-on consistency under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United. We've seen that in the entirety of a Premier League season that they've struggled to really put together a 36-32 game season of just consistent performances, but we've seen... Um, <clears throat> when they've played bigger teams every now and again, that one-off game, that they're ready, that they come prepared, and that they're ready to attack, you know? And I think in the Champions League, that's all you need, really, is to be prepared for those one-off games. And United are really good at that. On their day, like, like I keep saying, on their day, this team is really good when it can when they can play at full throttle, playing at their level. So I think, you know, I know they, I know realistically, I said maybe quarterfinals, but I mean, heck, I think they could even get all the way up to like the semifinals and such if they play the way they're capable of playing. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. Like the Champions League is full of magic and that's how you see like Ajax making it to like semifinals too. So 
Wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if something crazy like Manchester United make it, especially in this season where there's Rona and everything happening. So it's a season of a lot of things that can happen more so than a typical season, I would say. Yeah, I, and I, I will say this. Oligan Solskjaer, he said post-game of PSG, he mentioned that he really feels like his squad is ticking now. He feels like we've got our confidence back. We're back, in a sense, because we've had a shortened preseason and a lot of players were coming back from vacation and such, and we were just kind of disconjointed and such at the start. So I know a lot of analysts were taking into that, and they were like, okay, then, kick on. Let's see what, we, let's, <laughs> let's see what you got from here on out. And I agree with them. Um, it really seems like the squad is ticking a little bit now. So I just want to see what they can do from now on. Maybe we can start seeing more consistent performances from now on. Hmm. Well, hopefully, uh, although you're the rival team, hopefully we'll see ch- a another Premier League side get kind of far you, in the Champions League. Because could you if imagine all of them get got, knocked out? It's like oh yeah, that's <laughs> not good. It's like we got to be rooting for them like two seasons ago when it was Liverpool Tottenham. And it was like that all champions. Yeah, league, that was great. Europa it was Premier both, League. <laughs> everything, both finals in Europa League and Champions League were all your uh, English teams. I was like, yes, I know. Premier Pod dope. gift right there. Exactly. Um, I, how dope would that be if Liverpool and United faced off in the uh, Champions League, like uh, semifinals or quarterfinals? That'd I don't know insane. how we'd handle that, Yosh. <laughs> That'd be insane. That'd be literally insane. Oh, could, uh, now I'm getting too ahead of myself. Imagine if like... If one, like if there were fans and stuff, oh, that'd be one of the craziest atmospheres ever. Yeah, no, I I will wow. say this, Yush. I really hope that happens because the chances of that happening this season for both of our teams is uh not great. Yeah. <laughs> so I rather oh. that does happen than doesn't at this point. Yeah, true. Um, but moving on to Europa League real quickly because I know we're running a little bit shorter on, on time. But we quickly got Group B, which has Arsenal, Mold. Dundalk and Rapid Vane. Uh, excuse me, my voice is going a little weird because I'm a little dry. Need some water in there. But um, Arsenal have like had to scramble and had to basically scrap their way to get a 2-1 victory um, in their opening match of the Europa League. They did not look that good. Eddie and Ketia did not look very good. Um, you do, you'll be shocked, actually, if you look at Enketia's age. He's still playing for the under-21s. And somebody posted a tweet saying, there's a reason Eddie and Ketia is still playing for under U21 England team. And I think um, this past Europa League game kind of showed it. I, I really don't think he he kind of has that it factor to make it at Arsenal. Um, and this team, similar to Chelsea a couple years ago, is too reliant on Aubameyang. And I'll just leave it as that. Hmm. I mean, even then, I feel like Arsenal... The group stage is not really too hard to get out of in the Europa League, especially with this gap in, in not skill, but just like in just level of quality between one team and another. Like mm-hmm. Arsenal versus like Rapid Win is, it's it's yeah. not even like the same league. Yeah. <laughs> They're it, not even it, the same tier. It's, yep. So I think Arsenal, they could get away with this. And, you know, the other teams are about to preview as well. I think. It's for sure, like Yush and I will probably say, it's like, yeah, they're all going to get out their groups. Like, not easy, but like, it's almost guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And I think Arsenal, they can get away with this for a little bit, but until you start seeing like knockout stage and things like that, maybe they can hide this kind of weakness. But at the same time, hopefully they have Obama Yang staying healthy and Lacazette staying healthy because mm-hmm. if they're both gone, then it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. They don't really have too good. much backup we got there. Pepe. 
Yeah, Pepe, mm, Slava, Stryker. <laughs> I don't know. This ain't FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Um, as a United fan that's watched, you know, United compete in the Europa League these past couple seasons, the biggest thing is I you just you have to get the you just have to make sure the squad and the fans are just pumped up to watch Europa League football. And I think sometimes when you're a bigger club in this competition, especially in the group stages, it's kind of hard to get that um factor, you know, get pumped for the game because it's like, you know, you kind of expect to win. It's not like the Champions League where you get that the anthem going, you have the atmosphere and everything. Um Europa League I always felt like that was kind of the drawback in the group stages and you know, I saw Manchester United struggle a little bit in the early stage of the group stage last season. Um, but eventually they got, you know, they got comfortable with everything and just, you know, ease past the entire group. And I think Arsenal will kind of do the same thing. And in our next um, group, Group G, Leicester, um, which, cle- which includes Braga, A-E-K Athens, and Zoira, Zoira uh, Luhansk, I think that's how you say it. I don't even know that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if any of our viewers will know that team either. Yeah, it's I, or listeners, I should say. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but Leicester City, they came they started off their group stage with a bang. I I think their squad is definitely good enough to get to the group stages. And I think mm-hmm. Leicester City with Brendan Rogers, they're gonna want they're gonna want to compete. They're gonna want to compete in this trophy. Because they're not usually a team that you see in European competition every single season either. No. And I think this is the first time since the Champions League run. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And they so, did pretty well that run. Like, yeah, they got all the way to the quarterfinals, right? Yeah, Against so Sevilla it was like a, or, a magic run. Yeah. So, I, you know, they have a pretty good chance and they have like a fake team in their group. So, <laughs> it's like <laughs> you just have a made-up team in there. So, that's like a, one of those auto-generated ones from like FIFA that is just like... Red they team. ran out of teams that had licensing, so they just made one up and they just chucked it in there. It's like, yeah, this one's from like, I don't know, some random country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make but that up too. Make no, it a great it, country. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, Leicester definitely. I, I don't think there's much to say there. But moving on to Group J, we have Tottenham, Antwerp, Ludogorets, and Lace Lask. Or how do you, is it Lask? L A S K. Yeah, um, maybe but it's an abbreviation. Yes, Ludogorets. <laughs> if you don't know, is the that club that Mesut Özil scored that that goal. Um, yeah, that that goal that looked like a commercial, like an Adidas just, commercial. Yeah, or a Puma or whatever he's sponsored yeah. by. It was insane. Um, and also shout out to Anor, big Ludogorets fan. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. I've never met a Ludogorets fan or knew of one before. Until so you met cool. Anor. Um, but yeah, Tottenham. I put a little bullet point here. Tottenham, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention. I know they slipped up a little bit in the Premier League with 3-3 draw against West Ham, but they are firing on all cylinders. Their offense has been incredible with Harry Kane, Son, Bale, Lamella. Um, I mean, they're off, Lucas Mora is scoring goals. I mean, their offense has been scoring so many goals. And for me, Jose Mourinho, um, he's no stranger to this competition. He won it with United during his first inaugural season as Manchester United manager, prioritize that competition. I think he's going to want to prioritize this because unlike um, United, Tottenham need to win a trophy. They need to get that some some sort of silverware. And I think, honestly speaking, I think the Europa League will probably be, might end up being their best route because their squad, probably the best squad in their Europa League right now. I agree. And also... 
you know, despite Tottenham scoring so much in the Premier League, and if you know about the uh, West Ham <laughs> Tottenham game where Tottenham were up 3-0 and then they conceded three goals in the last 10 minutes. Yes. Tottenham like to, as we like to say, Spurs likes to spur. So it's literally their competition to lose. Yeah. And I think this is really one of those times where I think Jersey Mourinho is going to be like, you know what, we're just going to put all of our eggs into this basket. You know, if we can't get into top four in the Premier League, we're going to get the dub in the Europa League and get that ticket into Champions League that way by getting the, the trophy in Europa League. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he did that with Manchester United that one season. So, you know, Tottenham do have the firepower to do it. But it's just, once again, will the defense hold up? And also, will the... What's the, what's the word for it? Will the overall aura or just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that the shine, nature of, of Spurs just going to come back to get you. Yeah. To get themselves, yeah. I should say. No, I I agree. I I think I think things are starting to look a little bit different on that end. I think Mourinho is guiding them to a better mentality, but definitely that club culture can still sneak in every now and again. Mm-hmm. So, I will say for everyone else that is not too familiar of Tottenham, but knows about other sports like you know baseball, football, they're basically like the Georgia sports. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, almost like there. Team. They can just never get over that one hump. That last they just home. can't get any trophies. Yeah. Ugh. So there you go. Uh, well, all Tottenham, Georgia sports well, this fans, year. <laughs> it's uh, sad. It's sad. <laughs> but we'll definitely see. I think, you know, like we keep saying, it's definitely Tottenham's title to lose. But to quickly wrap things up, we wanted to spend a little bit of time on Marcus Rashford's philanthropic work. Um, if you didn't know, he's been just check his Twitter feed. Literally just check his social media feed. He's literally been... Um, uh, boisterous about, I mean, if you didn't know, he's been campaigning for getting these free meal vouchers and basically supplying food to children in need in the UK that are going hungry. And if you didn't know, when he was growing up, he struggled with food insecurity and not having enough food um, when he was growing up. And he knows how much, how important it is for a child to just get the basic needs of, um, of food uh, just to be able to get an, a meal in, you know, like there are three basic meals in. And he's been fighting for that with the UK government. Recently, the UK government um, denied uh, the request to extend that voucher meal program all the way to, I believe, until December. So Marcus Rashford has spent this weekend or yesterday um, basically going on Twitter and shouting out these places that are offering local businesses and other um, type of I guess, businesses in the UK that are uh, literally all across the UK that are sponsoring or at least trying to provide as much as they can in terms of free meals to children in need. So it's excellent work that Marcus Rashford has been doing. He's been doing this for, I think, a little over a year now. Um, It started off as um, providing um, short-term like Christmas supplies, like needing, need, um, like, I guess it's like a... um, essential supplies towards um, homeless homeless individuals and children in need during Christmas time of last year. And now it's basically turned into this and it's incredible at 22 years old, he's basically moving an entire nation to, you know, do the best you can for, for children. So it's, it's a uh, very inspirational to see someone using their platform for the greater good. Um, Cause you know, that's all, that's all we want to see is uh, seeing the world in a better place um, than it is. So, 
kudos to Marcus Rashford, one of my favorite players and obviously um, a, uh, a terrific human being. Too. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I feel like people in the world, like the best thing to do is just try to unite people. It's mm-hmm. ironic for Manchester United that you see someone <laughs> doing this. Yeah. I feel like the more you can just bring people together just for the right purpose, I feel mm-hmm. like that is what everyone should be striving to do. Like kind of drawing lines and like making divides. Like that's not the right move. It's not the right thing to do. And Mark Strasher is going the opposite way and trying to do the best he can to build, as Jess was saying, like a platform to help others. And when the government couldn't really do what Mark Strasher is doing, like he decided to just do to do himself. And he's yeah. doing it like in such a big way that everyone I feel like in the UK and also even outside of it, because like we're even talking about here in the US. Yeah. That he's like making big things happen just himself. At 22 years old, that's like our age, like yesterday. <laughs> so yeah. you're never too young to start doing big things out in the world. And that also is a big kind of message where if you want to get something done, we want kind of your message to go through, like your kind of vision. Sometimes the best way is just to do it yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. Mark Strashford, he has the platform, he has the money to do it. But, you know, if this kind of story doesn't really inspire I feel like it's, it's there's no there's not really that many other ways any other stories that's more inspiring than this. Yeah. So really like um, changing, you know, hopefully changing like children's lives, you know, providing exactly and stuff. like and little. Think, yeah. Yeah. But, I, I also wanted to say real quickly on this was when he started, he didn't know the full scope of everything. You know, it was it originally, like I said, started as a one time, you know, Christmas gift back to you know the manchester people then it, he slowly learned more and more talked to more people in the community learned more and now he is more knowledgeable about it and now he's able to grow it and it's a good example of you know just like with podcasts like i didn't know we didn't know everything about podcasting when we first started but you start learning more as you do it so it's like one of those things like whether it's charity work or any type of thing you want to do to help out people it doesn't hurt to just start. And then once you start, you can kind of learn more and then you can kind of grow from there. Um, and Mark Strashford's a clear example of like not getting too overwhelmed with the, with the problem, but starting off from somewhere and building from there type thing. Yeah. So it's something Yash kind of mentioned. He's like, you know, the whole premise is just making sure a kid's got something to eat. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's kind of as simple as that. It's kind of it's a lot bigger than that now, but quite simply, if you just, writing it down to like the very very foundations of what it is just making sure people got something to eat and they don't go hungry so mm-hmm. like kind of like that good foundation having to start there it's really all you need to really start doing some good things so that's a really got really deep but yeah <laughs> you don't really see that too often on the premiere pod but it's good yeah, to see especially, you know, a yeah. Premier League player doing big things like that yeah, it's um, it's definitely awesome and, and you know especially you know wherever you lean politically but nowadays just like so much you know, everything like that's been going on in the world or like whatever you see, it's always seems like you're seeing bad news all the time, especially in 2020. It's a, uh, it's definitely nice to see someone out here with a platform doing more good than harm to the world, you mm-hmm. know, a good spark so, for once. Yes. A good sport for, um, good things, but you know, kudos to Marcus Rashford, uh, always support you as a Manchester United player. Remember when you first made your debut against actually against FC Michelin <laughs> in the Europa <laughs> league, um, in 2015, circle. So, yeah, full circle. It's amazing seeing how much he's like grown literally since like I guess a young 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, kudos to Marcus Rashford, a uh, true hero out there. But 
Um, moving on to our last segment, we got the previews. Um, three games, some three pretty big games. But to start it off, we got West Ham versus Manchester City. I think this game actually ends up finishing 2-2. I like what David Moyes has been doing with his West Ham side. He's gotten rid of a lot of the rotten eggs at the club and has really um, kind of cemented his own culture out there at the club. His players seem like they're playing for him for once. The West Ham players seem like they're just lively. They're not you know, scrapping for relegation anymore. It just seems like they're just having fun again. And City... They're good offensively, but defensively, they're still in shambles. So I think it ends up becoming another draw for City. I think it's 2-2. Ooh, that's going to be rough because I don't think, it's kind of like last week, I don't think City can afford to keep doing this kind of stuff if they yeah. be dropping points. I think City, if if there's any indication from last week where Tottenham got a 3-0 lead very early, maybe they can snag that kind of same momentum and then maybe not be surprised by West Ham at the end of the game and then maybe just keep that lead. I think that's what's going to happen. It it might... I don't really see it being close, though. That's the thing. It's like, I don't really see it being like a 2-1 or a 1-0. Oh, I wow. could see City trying to get a 1-0, but that's not really their style either. They try to get as many goals as they can every game. Mm-hmm. So, I could see a 3-1, though. I could see a 3-1. Okay. So, City, you're going... Mm-hmm, for City. Okay. All right. Um, and then we have Arsenal versus Leicester City. This one will be fun as well because I think Arsenal are still taking Leicester. Both Arsenal and Leicester picking up big wins in the Europa League. Now facing off this weekend. Uh, this is going to be tough. Actually, I think um, I'm going to go for another draw as well. I think it will actually end up finishing 1-1. Mm. For this game, I feel like Leicester, they've had a bit of a weird rocky start for the season mm-hmm. like they haven't really been firing at all cylinders like they had some weird results like like a, a not for sure win but like they would just lose a, or tie a game here or there mm-hmm. that weren't really expecting them to, to you know drop points in. and Arsenal I feel like there is less variable this season I feel like they kind of have their identity a little bit more pronounced now so I think because of that, I think Arsenal have what's what it takes to kind of make sure they get something done. And then I'm I'm really big on the Arsenal train this season, at least so far. <laughs> so yeah. I think Arsenal will get the win, actually. Maybe we see it might be a really time. close game. Maybe one zero. Uh maybe we see one zero is gonna be crazy for Leicester to get shut out. Yeah. But you know, I think it could happen. Hey, if they play Thomas Partey, anything's possible. That's true. If Partey's in, then I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it is a one zero. Yeah, and now we got the uh, biggest game of the weekend, Manchester United versus Chelsea at Old Trafford. Um, This is going to be fun. Manchester United coming off that huge win against PSG and also picking up a big win against Newcastle um, this past weekend. Chelsea, on the other hand, kind of faltering a little bit. Their defense has let them down this past week. But I think this game will be really fun. But I honestly think the way United are rolling, I think they... I think they win this game 2-1. I think Chelsea's attack is a little too strong for United's defense, but I think United can do enough at home to win 2-1. Mm. If, if I'm correct in remembering what my predictions were from last week and what the actual scores were, I don't think I got any right. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, I don't know. I feel like I'm feeling a 2-2. It's, oh, okay. It's... It's very variable this season, obviously. It's not as easy to predict. But mm-hmm. I think historically, it's always been these kind of big games where like sometimes it just evens out. It's it's harder to get a win than to draw 
I feel yeah. like in some in some cases, especially bigger games. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if it's two two, and that's what I'm going to go with for okay. this one. Two two, um, that'll be fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to that game on this set, like literally tomorrow. So this is going to be really fun to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be nervous, but it's uh it's part of what makes the Premier League fun, you know. But that kind of wraps up uh, season three, episode ninety three for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to um, rate, comment, and subscribe. Leave us a rating on. Um, Apple Podcasts, it helps us out um, getting seen to more people. Subscribe to us on YouTube. No video in terms of like uh, on-face video from us. Uh, We're just a little cut short with time and everything that's going on. We were just a little, uh, not all over the place, but it was a little bit um, trying to catch up with everything this week. Um, We'll be bringing that back next week for sure. Uh, But yeah, thank you guys so much for the positive feedback on the last week's episode which was on video on youtube uh we saw those likes on there we appreciate it (laughs) but yeah we we definitely do appreciate all the support you guys have given us um we've seen it through the downloads and everything we we uh we appreciate you guys definitely that you guys take the time to listen to us each and every week so that means a lot to us but uh yeah that kind of wraps up episode 93 for us thank you guys so much peace peace